Welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different, inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for the Inspiration Accelerator. All right, welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. I am excited for today's conversation. If you know me, you know that there are a certain number of buzzwords that I actually, that I absolutely loathe. And at the very, very top of that list is the word innovation. And interestingly, I've uh, decided to bring on today an innovation expert named Leo Chan who is going to tell me why I am absolutely, uh, completely wrong about innovation and my thoughts and beliefs about it. So we'll get to Leo in a few moments, but I just want to share a quick, uh, quick thought I had. My wife and I have uh, some close friends, uh, really my wife's, um, uh, the woman is my wife's roommate from when she was younger. They've stayed close uh, for years, and then the husband and I became friends, and they had a son about five or six years ago, and great couple and great family and, uh, you know, kind of quintessential Long Islanders. They love boating and fishing and all the stuff that, that folks may, and the beach and all the stuff that folks may think about when they think about uh, Long Island. Um, and their son, um, he was diagnosed with a brain, term, a brain tumor. Uh, months ago and has been on this, um, just this uh, journey of surgeries and, and chemotherapy at, you know, five, five years old, uh, getting close to six, I believe. And uh, A, uh, I'm sharing it because if, if folks could just kind of, you know, I don't know if you're, if you're religious or not, or believe in the universe or whatever, but folks could say, say, say a prayer for him or, or have a, have a thought for him because he's got a big surgery next week. Um, I would I would personally appreciate that. I'm also sharing it because it is just a reminder of how fragile this whole thing is. And that one day you think your your life is X and that all these things matter over here. And then something happens and almost none of that matters anymore. And everything matters on this other on this other side. And so you know I I know that I know that a lot of us will go through our day and, and you know, for, for some of us, our heads are down and it's, you know, commute to work and do our jobs and come home and eat dinner and, you know, throw on throw on our TV or whatever it is. But, you know, just uh, just want to ask folks to think about the people in their lives and whether they're in impeccable health or struggling or whatever it is, just like appreciate it where it is, because it can uh, it can absolutely change on a dime. Uh Folks, I am about to bring out, I'm honored and thrilled to bring out Leo Chan. He's the founder of Abound Innovation. He is a Lego serious play trainer and facilitator. And if you don't know what that is, you think, did Michael just say Lego serious play trainer and facilitator? I did. And we're going to find out uh, what that actually means. Uh, Leo is somebody who like dreams of the future and thinks about innovation and he credits so much of that to growing up as a big uh, Star Trek fan. He says he's not a Trekkie though and I think I'm going to push him there because it sounds like if his worldview is informed by Star Trek that he might be a Trekkie. We'll ask him about that in a moment. 
Um, but one of the things I really, I really admire about Leo is just this idea that he thinks like life and work should be fun and that there really isn't uh, a distinction between the two. Uh, and he's going to talk about that a little bit as well. And so uh, you might see pigs flying out your window right now, folks, because I am welcoming an innovation expert to the show. Leo, thanks so much for being here, man. Welcome to the uh, Inspiration Accelerator, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I'm uh, I'm excited to have conversations about all things innovation and Lego and whatever else comes up. <laughs> thanks for having right me. On, right on, man. Okay, we got to start here. You say you're not a Trekkie, but I, I think you I think you might be a Trekkie, right? Uh, is it, are you are you do you not want that moniker? Is that the deal? No, you know what? I think when I think of a Trekkie, I think of ones that go to like the conventions and they'll wear the outfits and have that paraphernalia. So I don't think I'm at that caliber. I'm just a huge fan of the show. Uh, I'm still watching Picard now as it's in season three. And so I'll say I'm a Trekkie, but not as maybe hardcore as maybe what Trekkies may call themselves. So So no costumes, no costumes, but big fan, big fan. Yep. Yep. What, um, I'm going down a wormhole here. No, no pun intended, (laughs) but, uh, I, um, I, there's like a battle between like Star Wars and Star Trek. People like it can't be both. Is that true? I think some people just gravitate more towards one than the other. Like I didn't watch Star Wars growing up. I appreciate the show, but I gravitate towards Star Trek. I have nothing. I have nothing against uh, Star Wars fans. They're it's a great show. It's a it's beautifully done. But I just Star Trek's the thing for me. Right on, man. Right on. Um, I uh, I I remember watching Star Trek when I was younger and watching William Shatner on my screen. Yeah. And uh, who is it? Uh, Leonard Nimoy. Is that who played Spock? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have not seen I've not seen any of the Picards or any like the new movies with Chris Pine or anything like that. But I remember thinking it was a cool show. And I remember the beginning graphics of the show on my old like whether it was a black and white TV or when it eventually became color of them, like the ship when it speeds up and it goes yeah. like last like that. I remember yeah. thinking that was like incredibly cool back then. So it is um, cool. You know what it is? It's like. I, I always remember the intro. I grew up watching Next Generation and then like Deep Space Nine and all those, but like yeah. they basically were like, we're boldly going where no one has gone before. And mm. if that isn't inspirational, like I don't know what is. It's like we're going to explore new galaxies and, you know, meet new civilizations and yeah. these yeah. cultures that no one's ever met before. Like we're boldly, no one else is doing it. We're going. And our yeah. mission is to explore and dream. And I'm like, what a motivational, aspirational yeah. state. Like I sometimes I watch just the intro of Star Trek to charge myself up if I'm going into, really? into work. Yeah, it's it's just so inspirational. I'm just like, I love that. And isn't that what innovation is too? So I well, think it's, it's a, a lot, man. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great segue, man. Tell me and tell our listeners why I am dead wrong about innovation and my absolute uh uh detest uh for anybody <laughs> who uses the term uh not that i te- detest you but that i think it's this overused buzzword tell me why i'm totally wrong well i have to agree it is an overused buzzword <laughs> however i think it's because we don't have a common understanding of what innovation is mm. uh, and i think that's where we go wrong i think it's because we see innovation as disrupting big industries as technology related only 
for the few. So for like the Jeff Bezos and the Steve Jobs and the Elon mm. Musks. And so only special people can do it. And mm. so I think, I think when we make it to those big, really big aspirational, difficult things to do, then it becomes a buzzword because it's not every day. And so this may not surprise you, but my definition for innovation is creating a new future. Got it. Got it. And, and that yeah, can be done on the micro or macro level. It can I be done micro or macro. Yeah. So I yeah. think it encompasses big, like I call that big eye innovation. So the disruptive Netflix type things, but innovation mm. can happen in your day-to-day job. It can happen at home when you're thinking about a new way to do something or a different way to do something to make something better. So creating a new future, which goes back to Star Trek, because that's what they did. Uh, yeah. That's, I think when we have a different understanding and when we understand that we can have something to do with the word, it's not buzzword, it's motivation, it's aspirational, it's uh, something you can do right now. So I, I'm i not disagreeing with you at all. I think it is a buzzword for sure. And I think that's why organizations struggle with it because they try to, they may try to check a box, but then they don't really know what it means. And so it's just this word out there that has no meaning to the organization. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good way to think about it. And for me, uh, because I, I work with companies all the time, I say that they care about innovation, mm-hmm. but they are missing so many foundational pieces to their organization. Like for me, I, I make a lot of like sports uh, sports comparisons, but you know, you don't uh, a rookie quarterback has trouble innovating. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they need to know the offense in and out. They need to know the plays, the playbook by heart. They need to know their players and what they can count on each of them for. And from my experience, for innov- for a space to innovate, to even be there, and I often work with leaders who are expecting folks to innovate, in quotes, to your point, without even really having a clear definition of what innovation means, but without so many of these foundational pieces being in place, I'm not saying they necessarily need to all be mastered. But I remember being at this K-12 uh, like education conference. It's not even a conference. It's like this working group down in D.C. It's like this like invite only. It's like 50 people. It's twice a year, like closed door. You can only attend if you intend the entire thing. It's 50 people in a room that fits 30. So you're on top of each other and you're not allowed to no social media, no phones. Like it's like this, like and you're not allowed to talk about anything that anybody said. It's like this intellectual mm-hmm. fight club. Right. Uh that happens twice a year. And I remember this one dude talking about the, the problems to, to K-12 and, uh, you know, uh, the, the problems to K-12 education would be solved through innovation. And I remember thinking like, you couldn't be more wrong. Like what folks need is they need to go back to the basics and master the foundational pieces. So a space for innovation can even exist. Am, am I wrong about this? Am I right about this? Am I, is it somewhere in between? How do you see that? Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, all organization exists because we've done something and then we repeat that thing, right? And so I like to say we need to keep the wheels on the bus turning so the bus can run, right? And so organizations need to be able to fulfill a certain capability and do that thing well. And so if they're not doing that thing well, then you probably don't need innovation because you need to keep the bus running. If the bus is running and it's fine running but maybe it's not very efficient. Maybe it's yeah. running into new problems. Maybe it's not picking up new people and you know being able to do for different things because they're stuck in the way things 
once the way they once were done, then I would say, then you probably want to think about new ways of working, new ways of doing, and that's innovation, creating a new future. So I think if your bus is running well, then you need to be able to think about innovation and how it can, how you can empower your people to do it. If you're struggling to just operate, then yeah, don't, don't try to introduce new concepts or new ways of working. Cause that just adds more complexity. In fact, my business coach always says, likes to say to me, particularly, he's like, uh, before you innovate, imitate. So if you haven't yeah. imitated and you haven't, and so he says that, cause you know, I'm learning things from him for my business. Right. And so he's like, do these things first, try them out first. If for whatever reason, they're not working or it could be better then start innovating. But if you've not even given it a shot and tried it the way it is now, well, don't innovate. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, no, actually, I agree with that because we should be able to do things at a certain way. And if we find that they're causing issues or there's problems or causing new pain points or our customers are telling us, hey, I wish this or wish that or we see them struggle, then innovation probably has a role. That's interesting. So, I mean, is part of your work with organizations on getting them clear on what innovation actually means for them and what the, because I talk to leaders all the time, like our team innovates. I'm like, so, so I want to be clear. What does that mean? They come into work or whether they're working virtually or in person, they sit down at their desk or, or they sit in front of theirs. Like, and what do they do? They just start creating things that don't exist. Is that what you're asking your people to do? Like, well, 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 what about their deadlines and their presentations and all the different things you need them to do? Where does that fit in? What percentage of their day should they be innovating? 15%, 5%? I doubt it's 80%, right? But like, so as part of what you're trying to do with organizations to get them clear on what innovation actually means for them and what it looks like in practice? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's identifying what it is and how people can, I guess, associate themselves with that word, how they can start to build innovation. I call them mindsets and skill sets. So how do you start thinking more innovatively and then how do you start acting more innovatively? And they're two separate things. There's ways we can start thinking about things differently. But then, of course, you want to do things, right? And so it's interesting, like when I, I used to work for State Farm Insurance really, really, really long time ago. Cool. And uh, my role there, oddly, was being a graphic designer. So I was a web designer <laughs> for the public affairs department. Nice. And I came from the agency background. So I was working for design agencies prior. And so I, it was my first corporate, really my first corporate job. And there was so much process and just like administrative things. And as a designer, I was honestly zero, zero interested in doing those things, yeah. but I had to, right. But I, I started seeing, okay, there's a lot of administrative things that will suck the life out of me and make me want to cry every day. <laughs> uh, they have to be done, but could there be a way to do it differently? And to be honest, Michael, I was only thinking about ways to do it differently because I want to do more fun, creative work. And so yeah. I'm like, how do I alleviate myself uh, from these responsibilities? I mean, making sure they're getting done, but doing it in a way that's more efficient, more effective. And I, at the time, I didn't call that innovation, but that's what it was. I was looking at the current state and I'm like, needs to get done. Could it be done differently? And so... I would say what I did at the time was I started applying innovation thinking towards that. I was like, okay, well, I know I could do this. I could tap this technology. I could do this. And so I started creating new solutions towards that same problem that had to be met. 
and I implemented them. And then what, guess what happened? I created margin for myself so I could do the fun stuff. So I essentially was just giving myself margin to give myself the ability to do more creative and more interesting and fun work. And, and so, but that was innovation. I just didn't know it at the time, but that's what it was. And so I think there's so many people in so many roles out there that have to do things, but there's probably a better way. And they may not feel equipped to do it, or maybe they don't even think they could change it when the possibility is, or the reality is, is that you can change anything, right? As long as the work is getting done, you could, there's probably better ways to do it. And so we get bogged down by our tradition and our legacy. And if it's been going that way for 20 years and we kind of st- get stuck thinking, well, it's got to be that way because of the past, yeah. but there's a new future, right? You can create a new future. So um, it's empowering people to do that really is, is what I'm really passionate about. And Leo, can anybody innovate? I imagine you run into people who say that's not my personality. I'm very by the book. I'm very tactical. You have a, you know, graphic design background, big mm-hmm. Star Trek fan, always kind of dreaming of, of the future listeners. And maybe yourself would be surprised to learn that, uh, despite my my pretty uh, my heavy focus on systems and processes, I grew up a daydreamer, a fiction writer, drawing pictures in books. I didn't nice. listen to my teachers. I was just dreaming about you know cool stuff. And you know even to this day, I mean people start talking about uh, certain things, and I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm on meetings all the time where I'm drawing pictures of monsters while I'm, <laughs> while someone's talking to me. Like I do think in that way, I am obsessed with teams focusing on the basics before, you know, on the kind of the walking before they run and crawling before they walk. But is there a certain type of person who innovates or can anybody innovate? And do you have to break down some of those beliefs that people have about themselves before you can even get access to an organization? Yeah. Yeah. I think there, I mean, my belief is that anybody can be an innovator. Um, just not everyone is. And I, I do believe there are, there are certain characteristics or qualities that people have that would lend themselves more to that word to be an innovator. But I think it goes back to, there's kind of two fallacies. I hear people all the time say that they're not an innovator when they're an innovator. And so I think I go, it goes back again to that definition. We think it's technology related only. We think it's big eye innovation. We think it's, you know, for this, the free people. And I'll tell you, I went, I met this one lady a few years ago and we're having a conversation about innovation and I could totally tell she was an innovator. And so I was like, you know, she was telling me about herself and she was like, oh, well, I used to work for Nestle and she, she did, I think she did like product design. So she, she actually created products that were on the retail shelves in stores. Mm. And uh, so we're having this really interesting conversation. She actually told me, she's like, there's still products that I designed for Nestle that are still on the pro- on the shelves today. And and so I just was blown. I, first of all, I was blown away. I was like, wow. I'm like, that's incredible. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I've never done something like that. Mm. And I'm like, and you don't call yourself an innovator? And I, and I, and I paused mm. and I said, let me tell you, let me be the first person to tell you, you're an innovator. Mm. And And she was like, she was mind blown. I was mind blown that she didn't see herself that way. And I was like, this is why we need to educate people on what innovation is, right? Because again, if we have a certain perception of it, because I'm like, you created a product and she and she worked for like a, a startup, right? Like you got to yeah. be a certain type of person to work for a startup. Uh, yeah. 
And so she's like, well, I'm not an innovator. And so, and then the other thing that people like to say is that I'm not creative, right? And yes, so yeah. we tend to think of creativity as traditionally in the fine arts. So like a painter, a writer, a musician, a dancer, sure. right? But creativity looks so different from what we tend to perceive it as. Mm-hmm. And I've even had people that call themselves innovators that said they were creative. I'm like, wait, like, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> because creativity is the ability to create ideas, right? Yeah. And anybody has the ability to create an idea. Anybody. I don't care mm-hmm. if you're extremely systems focused, heavy process, if you're an engineer, a mathematician, you have ideas. And so if you have the ability to create an idea, which you do, then you're creative. And creativity is a quality of an innovator because you need to take ideas and transform them into value. And so everybody has the potential to be an innovator. Yeah. And this is actually really, this is really, really helpful reframing of the, of the definition here Uh, because you're, you know, you're going to laugh at this and our listeners are going to laugh too, but you know, I started skyrocket education, which is my first company. Uh, because I was completely dismayed by the current uh, educational coaching models out there. Mm. So I created a new one. Mm. And it also happens to and it's more precise, and more digestible and easier to coach around and easier to give feedback around. It also happens to look cooler and different than anybody else is out there. It's got really cool branding on it. Hmm. Uh, and so I'm laughing because based on your definition, I am an innovator, uh, yeah. which is, uh, actually making me uh, sweat, nervously sweat. <laughs> um, but as I'm thinking about it, I think where some of the rub comes up is this idea that we're always in this innovative state. But when I think about just my company, for instance, yeah, I, I innovated to create a new thing because there was there was a problem with the old thing. Right. right. Uh, but then we have to get into the actual day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute execution of the thing. Yeah. Now we may be innovating in spots during that process. Yeah. But there does have to be a like, all right, now let's make like, you know, Elon Musk said, I want to, I want to, you know, fly a rocket ship to Mars. Cool. Innovation. But then teams of builders and scientists and astronauts, all this oh, stuff yeah. had to then go by the like go do the you know the the micro work to turn this into an actual reality. And I, I think that there are some folks, and I imagine there are some folks listening here who think that no, we 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 just we just innovate here. But it sounds like we we've got to be able to do both of these things to actually make innovation come to life. And and let me just say one more thing that I want to I want you to have in. I think if we don't, if we just say innovation, but don't actually do the steps to make the thing come to life, our teams could start to lose faith in this as being a tangible thing that matters and more, well, Michael just said, we're going to, we're a bunch of innovators here, but we've come up with a bunch of great ideas. None of them, none of them actually come to life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I would even say that it's not innovation if you don't do what you just described. Got it. So innovation, uh, what I would describe to you, what you just described, if we just create ideas and these new ways of doing things and never transform it into reality, then that's just invention. Mm. That's just coming up with something, but then it has no bearing or meaning to anybody else. 
So the first part of the definition I gave for you is innovation is creating a new future. The mm. second part of the definition is by transforming ideas into value. Mm. So that transforming is a process, which is bringing that idea into reality so that it has value. If we just get stuck on creating ideas, then that's just invention. And that's not innovation because we haven't really done anything with it. And I'll tell you a lot of people, well, at least in the experience that I've had, I've met a lot more people that are better on the execution side, but struggle with the dreaming side, the new thinking side. And so we're most organizations are really good at hiring executors, but the dreamers, they're there, but they might be dormant. They might be asleep. The culture might not allow for it. Uh, and so what I'm trying to do is reclaim <laughs> that front part of innovation where we can start thinking of new ways to do things, dreaming of new ways to do things, and then implementing that into the organization. That's cool. That's cool. Is that your definition of innovation? Did you create that or is that from something? I, I Frankensteined it. So the creating a new future <laughs> is mine. Yeah. Uh, Chick-fil-A's definition of innovation is um Innovation is transforming ideas into business value. Oh, nice. So I modified theirs to tag it on to my definition because the way we create a new future is by transforming ideas into value. I took out I took the way the took out the word business yeah. because I believe innovation can apply to our personal life too. So yeah. it doesn't mean that you can't innovate at home and think about I don't know, a new routine for your family, a new way to do things in your family, new ways to work with your kids. Like so I took away the word business value because I truly see innovation applying to all of life, all industries, everything. So in the business context, yes, business value. In a non-business context, it's just value. Got it. Got it. What is this? Uh, this is a good segue. You mentioned life and we're talking about work. Uh, this idea that like life and work should be fun. And you say you don't make a distinction between them. Can you speak to those pieces? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I used to talk about like work-life balance and they should be separate and like they shouldn't intersect and da-da-da-da-da. But I feel like when I walked into this innovation space, what I realized was I my passion is innovation, like dreaming up of new ways of doing things. And that's not just at work. That's at home. That's when I'm tinkering around with stuff at home and all that yeah. things. And so to delineate doesn't really make sense because I'm like, that means that I can only apply how I think in work, like how I do things only to one part of life, which is at home or at work where it's both for me. And so I feel like what innovation, the, the people that I've helped become innovators, they don't delineate either. They just, their whole life changes. Like you start start seeing life differently. And so whether that's at your personal at home or at work, there's no difference <laughs> because once yeah. your minds change, once you see things differently, you see things differently. So I feel like separating it doesn't make any sense anymore to me, at least it's, Hey, there's transformation that applies to everything. So I think it's important. We also, you know, when we talk about fun and play, we generally reserve that for our home life or personal life, but it's so critical at work. Like uh, the founder of Chick-fil-A, the original founder, his name is Truett Cathy. And he said, if you're not having fun at work, you're not doing it right. And I love that. Mm -hmm. He said he was known as a really playful human, like, he would bring play into everything that he did and when he was at work. And it wasn't because he turned it on at work. That was just who he was. He he believed in play. He had fun in whatever he was doing. And so that that part of his personality showed up at work also. And, but I think it modeled to people that it's okay. 
but I'm like, if I'm not playing at work and at home, like I feel like there's a disconnect, like mm. we're, we should play and play is not for frivolous play, but it, we should enjoy what we're doing. We should have fun with it. Like, don't you want people to enjoy what they're doing? Yeah. Um, and so if I'm not, then I need to think about, again, do I need to create a new future? Maybe I'm doing tasks that are just sucking the life out of me. Is there a way that I should re-envision that so that I can bring more fun and joy and play back in, you know, and in a way there's so many different ways. So I don't separate it anymore because I feel like innovation just changes your life. <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah, and I, I agree that there are, just from my experience, there are far too many uh, leaders and employees in general who are unhappy in the workplace or who dread going to work or who see yeah. the workday as this thing to be tolerated. I mean, it's why I started Rebel Culture to actually you know, transform it. One of our, one of our taglines is transforming the workplace experience for 1 million uh, employees by 2025. Ooh, I love this. Yeah. I think it's the biggest ripoff going that there yeah. are, you I mean, just throw a rock, you know, at one of you like, not don't throw a rock at your neighbors, but throw a rock and you'll, you'll hit somebody <laughs> who's like, Hey, what do you think of work? And like, God oh, sucks. My boss is an idiot. Like that type of thing. And I think yeah. that's an absolute drag yeah. uh, and it's unfair, right? It's a 30 year, it's a 30 year adult life. And that's crazy to me. What, how do we strike the balance between, because with the way I've seen that manifest is that leaders think that the, the way to make work fun is uh, that we, um, I take my foot off the gas when it comes to the impact we're trying to have or expectations. I don't hold people accountable. Instead, I solve for this through like gift cards and, you know, and like, you know, games and incentives, which. I'm not saying that on their own are, are bad. I do think that uh, it, it, as a, as a, a salve for um, I don't, I don't drive our organizational values. There are no expectations here. Nobody knows like I communicate late or not at all. Right. Like those things, I think it is objectively a bad thing to think I'm going to solve our, mm -hmm. like kind of our organizational culture pieces with only these other things. So like, Hey, have you seen that as being a problem? And B, how do you solve for that if you do see this being a problem? Yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of laugh at the word professional because we have this like picture of what professional means. Like it means maybe you're wearing dress pants and yeah. a belt and a tie. And, you know, for for the, the females are wearing dresses or like heels or whatever. Like we have this. Yeah, yeah. And, and then professional also looks like you can't you can't have humor. You can't laugh yeah. at we're like. Yeah. And I'm like, where did that come from? Because yeah. did that when you're at home, what what do you like? You're you're laughing, you're having a good time, you're enjoying. And that doesn't mean that you're not getting things done, but we're humans. Like we have emotion, like we we should enjoy the things. We should bring our personalities. And and I've seen so often in corporate environments where there's this just this corporate feel, this corporate vibe, this professional feel. And I'm like, does that actually serve the employees well? Yeah. Like even yeah. as a leader, does that serve you well to be professional, whatever that means. Why don't we yeah. be real and incorporate who we are? You know, and if laughter is involved, great. You know, if we crack a joke, great. You know, and so it's not forced fun or forced play. It's just, I think it's a lighter touch to the things that we're doing. And you can enjoy, you know, I think innovation is the most exciting thing personally, because if you're creating a new future, you get to dream of it. And yeah. you get to explore possibilities and yeah. like to Star Trek, you get to boldly go and like make it happen. Like to me, that's so exciting. And so if, 
I, I feel like, you know, you can even model it to others. Like if you can bring yourself and your passion and your joy uh, into what you do, like other people see that and they, and they want to bring it in, you know, and they're like, Hey, why is Michael so happy all the time? Like, I want to be happy at work. Like, what's he do? He'll come, they'll probably gravitate towards you and be like, Hey man, like, what do you, you know? And so I think we can actually start helping people be that, you know, like let's, let's lose whatever professional means. I mean, it's not that we're, you know, crass or, you know, not taking things seriously. We still do, of course, but let's bring in our full selves to work, our personalities, the things that make us happy. Let's bring them in, you know, like a happier workplace is a more effective workplace when people are coming in, not depressed, like their productivity is going to be awful, right? If they're Mm. joyful and happy and enjoying their, you know, their coworkers and enjoying the relationships and all those things that just builds a culture where people want to come to work and then they're more motivated, they're more engaged, you know? Mm. And, and I feel like innovation is one of the ways that does that because I feel like there's people in every organization that have these incredible ideas, but it might be the culture that doesn't allow that to surface or their leadership or whatever, but they want to make a difference. And so for me, innovation is one of those unlocks because when people see like, oh, the ideas that I have, I can bring with me to work and see and actually be able to implement those. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's so cool, you know? And so I think it helps people have more motivation at work because Mm. finally (laughs) all the ideas that's been sitting in their brain for so long, they can actually finally see it come to life. That's super cool. I, um, I am convinced that the biggest, obstacle to the thing you're talking about just organizational growth in as a whole is leader fear mm-hmm. uh and that the thing you're describing so like why does work have to be so serious and i'm paraphrasing but like why do we and i think it's that for a leader it is much less confronting uh and potentially uncomfortable to just to be serious in meetings and everybody dresses the same uh and you know we're gonna like it's just gonna feel like really heavy here than it would feel to put ourselves out there to look foolish potentially to mm-hmm. uh which been your exp- and I, ima- I imagine you've had people who said we're not we're not going to innovate like leo sounds great in theory we're not going to innovate has fear been in your opinion at, at the heart of some of these things or where do you think fear plays in in this conversation Yeah. I mean, I think fear comes with innovation because if you're creating a new future, that means there's a lot of unknowns that come with that. First of all, I think there's a, there's a psychological thing internally. It's like, well, I I don't even myself know what the outcome of this will be. So I bring, I have my own stuff inside. Like, can I, can I create, do I have the ability to create a new future? I don't know. Is it going to be good? You know? is it going to crash? Like there's all these unknowns that happen internally. So I think we all bring our own fears into things. Um, and so I think also with leaders, it's the same thing. Like they, they actually have their own fears that come into play as well. Um, and, Which and they is why, Leo, not to yeah. interrupt you, is why I see, so, I think so many leaders are doing things that are clearly not working because either we've always done it this way. Yeah. Or if I do it a different way, it's going to make people upset. Or to your point, I don't know how it's going to go, Yeah. right? All these things are rooted in, and I'm not even using the term fear here uh, negatively. It's just the normal part of like, you know what? Like yeah. I go to work and I know what to expect. I know yeah. It's not going to be great. 
and people are not going to be thrilled, but it's going to be what it's going to be every day. And you're asking yeah. people to be okay with that changing. And, yes. and or do they push back? Do they tell you, do you see folks when you're knee deep in a partnership or eyeball deep in a partnership, do folks get pissed at you? Do they tell you to F off? I've had that. Like, no, man, like I'm not doing it your way anymore. Like, has that come up for leaders who are really confronted? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's actually our natural response. So we, in our brain, we have this part of our brain called the amygdala and it controls our, our fight. Yeah. Our fight flight response. So change or stress or anxiety, which comes with innovation comes with just thinking about ways of doing things differently that, that elicits our amygdala's response, which either I'm going to fight you, which is what you got a lot, which I had, where people yeah. are going to resist, or they're just going to flight, like they're going to run. I'm like, I'm, I'm, mm, uh, that's good for you, Michael, but I'm going to go back to my job and just do my job, right? So yeah. innovation elicits that that response naturally. And so we have to be able to take a step back and address that and say, hey, and so there's a lot to do. That's why I think innovation is really human. I get that. I've I've been in a product innovator and I've been on the side of training people to become innovators. And so I get it. Like I know all the crap that happens inside my own head. I've seen people's resistance, but I get it. It's a human thing. Innovation is human. <laughs> We're human. So mm. these responses are naturally going to come up, but it doesn't mean that it has to stifle innovation or it has to stifle us. We we have a new narrative. And so I I feel like when we go back to creating for leaders, we can create safe environments for innovation to happen. And so even if we don't really know if it's going to work or not, we can elicit the environment or culture for the employees to be able to share what they're thinking, right? Because that's what's going to push our, for, our organizations forward is new ways of thinking, leaning into the diversity of thought in the room, leveraging the strengths that other people have yeah. and helping a healthy dialogue around those things. That's what's really going to be very helpful. Super cool, man. I want to ask you one more thing before we, before we get out of here, but I, I will let you know, I wrote a short story years ago about a society that was forcibly removing all of their citizens' amygdalas in an mm. effort to create this like fearless, Ooh, I uh, like this it. Fear, but it wound up uh, backfiring without fear, without the fear response. People were putting themselves in, in harm's way and they were, you know, perishing uh, and it didn't work out great. But uh, yeah, I, uh, it was a it was a pretty cool one. Um, what's this what's this Lego serious play trainer and facilitator thing? I imagine there are some folks who are <laughs> waiting with bated breath to find out how a bunch of grown ups at work are going to be playing with Legos and how you're going to train them on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Lego Serious Play is a real thing. <laughs> it was created in the late 90s and the early 2000s, uh, blessed by the Lego CEO at the time. Really? Uh, yep, yep. And the first use case for Lego Serious Play was business strategy. So he, the CEO at the time was looking at uh, how might we use Lego as a, a different in a different form, right? It was a great tool for children, but how might we envision a new way? You know, at that time, Lego was hitting its downturn. So they almost hit bankruptcy. Uh, and so he was kind of envisioning, is there other use cases for it? And so he yeah. partnered up with these two brilliant organizational psychologists. They By developed the way, this, this methodology. Is, you, you've taught me this is innovation. That that was yeah. innovation that was it happening was. back then. That right? was innovation. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, they create this methodology. But I like to say, for lack of better terms, it's like Lego for adults. So it's meant to be applied for a business challenge or outcome. It's not just adults 
touching Lego bricks and playing with bricks. It's for a specific outcome. And one of the, so the first application was business strategy. So they're like, mm. we all do business strategy, like planning for next year. And what do we want to be in five years? Those types of things. That was the first application for it. Um, but basically the way it works is you are asked a question from a facilitator like myself. So I, I can ask you, Michael, like, what's a strength that you bring to your team? Traditionally, you would tell me that with words, right? Or maybe you'll write it down. But with Lego Serious Play, your response is built as a Lego Serious Play model. So you're clicking pieces together and uh, you cr you create your answer out of Lego. And as you're doing that, you're adding meaning to the pieces. So you might put in like a green piece and it might mean something specific or whatever. And so once you do that, you share your model to the group. So you'll say, hey, here's a strength that I bring to your team. And you're talking through your Lego. Your Lego becomes your words. It becomes yeah. uh, your communication device. And from there, uh, new insight and reflection happens. So what's really interesting about this model, this, this methodology is it leverages you to build with two hands. And when we communicate orally, we use about 15% of our brain. When you build with two hands, you engage up to 80% of your brain. So wow, you're wow. actually using more brain cells in the answers that you're providing by building with Lego Serious Play. And so it's incredible the stories that come from this, the metaphors, the uh, the insights that you get from this methodology. And it's such a creative way to do it because you're thinking with three-dimensional pieces and it's amazing. It's literally my favorite methodology on the planet. You have more effective meetings, you have more insights, you have more engagement. Like it, it solves all the reasons why we have bad meetings <laughs> uh, in a really unique and interesting way. Are people rolling their eyes when you roll this out to them? Are they like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I've got work to do. This guy wants me to play with Legos. Is that? I think it depends on the adult. Like most okay. adults that I've done this with are super excited because they see Lego. It reminds them of their childhood. They think of play and it's called serious. The reason why it's called Lego serious play is because it's not just us playing for play sake. It's again for an outcome. So whether it's to have better effective communication, if we're deciding, you know, having decision making in the meeting, if it's used for innovation, if it's used for team building, if it's used for business strategy. Mm. So it's it's basically pulling in a tool that will be helpful towards that outcome. So it is serious because you're actually moving the needle on something, mm. but you're doing it through play. So it's, it's, it's like this, I love the the dichotomy between the two words, <laughs> serious yeah. play, right? But, and, yeah. and people are actually often surprised by the end of the, the session, they're tired. And I'm like, yeah, you're using more of your brain cells, number one, you're wow. hearing from everyone in the room and you're moving the needle on real business work. So of course you're tired because you're doing real work, but it was just in a playful way that's, you know, engaging and all that. Uh, you know, the only time I've seen some people struggle with this is, uh, the, the highest of the highest in the organization. So I've worked with C-suite executives doing Lego and it's more just, was it, will this play thing really get us there? So there's a perception of it, but when they see the outcomes delivered, mm. then they're like, mm. oh man, what an interesting and effective way to get us here. And so yes. I think people may have initial, some people may have initial resistance just because again, we're going back to the conversation we had play at work. I don't know. Is that allowed? You know, but yeah. when they see that there's an effective outcome, they're like, uh, can we do that again? <laughs> Let's do that again. I'm like, yeah, yeah. This is a really great way to think differently. 
Super cool. Leo, I imagine there are lots of people listening here who are thinking they want to bring Lego Serious Play uh, into their companies or even learn more about innovation from you. How can folks contact you? Yeah, uh, so my social media handle is at everyone can innovate. Got it. All right. At everyone can innovate. So I'm on Instagram, mostly more on LinkedIn, uh, but at everyone mm-hmm. can innovate. So they can find me. I'd love to talk to you about innovation, Lego Serious Play and all the things. Cool, man. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and for giving me, uh, teaching me a whole bunch about innovation and uh, helping me learn that I think I'm more of an innovator than I think I am. Uh, You absolutely are, Michael. uh, We at least uh, agree that the like, I'm going to say I want to innovate because I don't actually know what to do as a leader and I'm not going to actually do anything to execute on it, but I'm going to say we innovate. Uh, is not effective, and so that was good for me to good for me to get some reinforcement on that. But um, it is a really cool subject, man, and I appreciate what you're bringing to the space. And I think that I'm a stickler for words, and I'm a stickler for definitions. And I think your definition and your vision of this needs to get out there because you know I work with a you know, hundred different organizations a year, and they're not using it the way you're using it, and um, and that's that's a real miss. So. Can't thank you enough for educating me and our listeners and uh, hope to have you back on at some point, man. We'd love to have you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, Leo. Awesome, folks. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. And uh, until then, do something innovative. I don't know what it is. Try something. Do something cool. Do something innovative. All right, we'll see you then. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.